Caffeine of Financial Empowerment, a production of the California Society of CPAs and CalCPA Institute. I'm Bill Spaniel. The average lifespan of an American male is about 79 years, while an American woman has an average lifespan of about 81 years, and that's average. Many people will live until they're 90 years of age or more, while some of the elderly will be in good health during those years, some will not. Regardless, there likely will come a time when their adult children, if they are alive, will confront the issue of taking care of their parents. That can be a difficult assignment. So it is a good idea for adult children and their parents to talk about such things as power of attorney and funeral wishes as early as possible. Rob Seltzer, a CPA and personal financial specialist, knows firsthand about the subject. Hello, Rob. Welcome to Financial Empowerment. Hi, Bill. Today we're talking about caring for an aging parent. I believe you had parents you had to care for in their later years. Could you tell us about that? Well, I'm an only child. My parents had me later in life uh, for my generation, not so unusual nowadays. My father was uh, 41 when I was born. In 1998, I started caring for both of my parents. My dad had Crohn's disease for approximately 30 years. My mom had heart issues. I had to care for both of them simultaneously. My dad from 98 to 01 when he passed, and then my mom from 2000 to uh, 2007 when she passed. In your opinion, what is the most important thing an adult child can do to assist an aging parent? The window for long-term care has, has passed if your parents are in their 70s or mm-hmm. 80s. The cost is so exorbitant, it doesn't make any sense. You're referring to long-term care insurance. That's something that people should address in their 50s or 60s mm-hmm. um, when they're healthier. What they should do is have medical power of attorney most of the time One spouse has the other as a reciprocal type of arrangement for any sort of health issues. I was an only child, so I was on deck. If there's multiple siblings, then that should be worked out so that which sibling makes the most sense. It could be the one that lives close by as opposed to the the one that lives in New York or something. But to have the ability to make health care decisions for your parents when they're incapacitated is critical. Many seniors have memory problems, whether or not they have Alzheimer's, and often they are victims of phone and other scams. How do you help them in that situation? Well, I think you have to be honest about the circumstances of your parents. There's 80-year-olds that are completely with it and would smell out that scam in a heartbeat, and there's others that would take that deception hook, line, and sinker. It's best to err on the side of caution because there's a lot of predatory people out there that do prey on the elderly, and we want to protect your parents. Are there any steps you can take to minimize that situation? If you're suspecting that one of your parents is slipping, I would want to check their recent banking records and make sure that there aren't any surprises. If you you see that there really is a problem, and it might not be something that's predatory, it could be just uh, absent-mindedness and neglect so that, you know, bills are not being 
paid on a timely basis, then you can take over the bill paying function for your parents and monitor their bank account and take care of things for them. Obviously, because of what I do, that was sort of a natural thing and, and fairly easy for me. For other people, it might not be as much of a simple transition as I had advised my parents financially for well over a decade before their decline. Uh, if that's not within your skill set, then you should reach out to someone that you trust that can take care of that for you. Many seniors would like to stay in their own home as long as possible, but there may come a time in which they need to reside at a senior care facility. How can you find out if such a facility is appropriate? You need to do research. You need to talk to other people that are going through the same thing. The thing that people have to realize is this is the natural cycle of life and everyone goes through this at some point or another. I just happened to hit it earlier than most of my peers. I was able to offer some insight. I talked to uh, you know friends and relatives and we went through it with my grandmother prior to my mom. So that happened when I was in my 20s. So I remembered that. You, you just need to reach out to other family members and friends and see what their experiences are with a particular facility and just tour these facilities and see how they are for you. My mom was pretty easy, not in, in many respects, but in terms of that decision. There really was no thought of her going to a facility. My mom was someone that was very resistant to change. She was very comfortable in her home. So I made it my priority that if it was all possible, she was going to stay there. And that's what ended up happening. We hired some caregivers to stay with her and she ended up passing away via mm -hmm. hospice at home. I don't have any 2020 hindsight, put that put it that way with my mom. My dad was a little different. I, I might have done some things differently, mm -hmm. but with my mm -hmm. mom, I wouldn't have changed anything. As you noted, you were an only child, so you did not have any siblings whom you needed to consult regarding how to care for an aging parent. But what if you are in that kind of situation, especially if you have siblings who disagree on how to care for their parents? It's sort of funny because when people were saying to me, oh, Rob, how do you do it all by yourself? That's such a such a challenge, such mm -hmm. you know, you know, a, a responsibility. And I reflected on my knowledge of most of the people that I know where it is a challenge because let's say there's three kids in the family. Because of the way our our world is, chances are one of those siblings is not in the area. They've moved away. It's not possible for one of those siblings to contribute as much in terms of in-person care. You know, I went out there every weekend without fail. And my parents lived uh, about an hour and 15 minutes from me. It was just my routine. I made it just like I went into my office on Monday. I went to see my parents on Sunday. That's that's what I did. The whole thing is, I did not have any disagreements. I did what I thought was best. I'd rather have had my situation than the ones that you describe, because it is very challenging. I joke to friends, well, if I you know had two siblings and they both lived in LA and they, they could go out there, you know, once or twice a month to spell me, sure, that would be great. And of course, saw things the same way I did. So there wasn't a conflict about how we were caring for our parents. That's not real world. That's not how it exists. I think what you need to do is have a, a family meeting. 
and whether it's in person or over the phone because of distances, but everyone needs to be on the table. And I think that just like so many other things in life, it's about knowing what expectations are. Conflicts are when you thought your brother would be doing something and they're not. And if you have a meeting and you say, well, you're in New York, you can't go to mom's every time, but can you take care of paying the bills? Can you mm-hmm. go online and, and take care of her medications or the grocery shopping? There can be division of duties so that the one that is doing most of, uh, let's call it the custodial care, gets some relief. But it, it's still going to be challenging. There's no doubt about it. You care for both your parents. Are there any differences in caring for aging parents because of their sex, male versus female? You know, I guess it was just sort of maybe a a generational thing. I don't know if it's based on, uh, you know, it'd be the same thing now. But my dad was a tough guy. He was a World War II veteran, the greatest generation that he wouldn't have gone to college without the GI Bill. So he was someone who sort of pulled himself up from the bootstraps as a depression kid, etc., he he wasn't one that really complained. My mom would complain more. I, I don't know if it's a thing with the sexes or just their personality differences, but you know, I think maybe men uh, internalize thing, their emotions more than women do. I think that's also sort of changing now, but I think with aging parents, they're still not of that generation where that really has uh, occurred as much. I think, you know, you just have to realize it and, you know, treat them as individuals and know that in addition to being parents, they're people. They have their foibles and they have their personality that are are unique to them. You just have to take that into account. It's challenging because you've spent your life with these people and there's certainly emotional baggage that uh, goes hand in hand with that. That makes it tough. I know you have a seven-year-old son. When he gets to be an adult, are you going to talk to him about your own path to being an aging parent and what you might want from him as a caretaker? My wife's parents have spoken to us about that. They're in their 80s. My father-in-law is starting to decline. He has macular degeneration, so his eyesight is compromised and and deteriorating. When they came out to visit us in January, we did talk about those things. It's sort of a remarriage thing where they both were widow and widower, respectively, and it's the second marriage for both, so they're step-siblings, and we talked to them. It's absolutely imperative that you talk for a variety of reasons so that parental wishes can be followed and that you can be prepared for what your responsibilities will be. I know that both of my parents wanted to be cremated. Not a Mm -hmm. pleasant topic of conversation, but I know what my parents wanted and there wasn't any question in my mind. You know, when I spoke about my mom, she was comfortable in her home. She did not, you know, she was a social person when she was younger. The comfort and security of living and staying in in the home that she had been in for over 30 years was more important to her than the social aspect. And things changed too. My grandmother had a feeding tube and my mom and I both just felt horrible about it because you could just see it in my grandmother's face how she hated it. We both regretted that decision when my mom was deteriorating and it came time for that decision for her. In her instructions, it said that she did not want a feeding tube, but I had the power to not do that, to give her the feeding tube if I thought that's what she really wanted. Although my mom was not what she was when she was a vibrant person when she was younger, I know that she communicated that she wanted that, which surprised me. That's personally not what I would want, 
but I'm not my mom. And, I, and that's the other thing. You can't decide for how you would want something because it's not about you. It's about your parents. You know, I, I'm much more active than my mom was. So I have a different outlook than she did. It's about following their wishes and giving them what they want and enabling that to happen. Well, thanks, Rob, for talking to us about this very difficult subject. Do you have anything else to add? Just like anything else, I think communication is critical and planning ahead of time is critical. It's much harder to do this after the fact when, let's say, your your parents had a stroke and no one's talked about anything about what you're going to do. You're emotionally spent by dealing with the issue at hand. And then on top of that, you, you would have to deal with what to do about it. If you have a plan in place, it makes a difficult situation less challenging than it would otherwise be. Our thanks to Rob Seltzer for discussing his own experiences in taking care of his parents. I hope our conversation will make it easier for you to talk about this subject within your family. We appreciate your listening to CalCPA's Financial Empowerment Program, which was produced in December 2018. If you would like to comment about our show, have a question for a CPA, or would like to suggest topics for future programs, write us at financialempowerment at calcpa.org, or simply visit www.calcpa.org. You can search there for a California CPA who can help you save on taxes, better manage your investments, or budget for those rainy days even sunny California sometimes has. Just click on the Find a CPA link. This is Bill Spaniel, and you've been listening to edition 215 of Financial Empowerment, a production of the California Society of CPAs and Cal CPA Institute. (laughs) 